everybody, and welcome to The Art of Whatever, a music and arts history podcast where we talk about the beauty of art and all that good stuff. Today, um, I have with me a, um, a special guest. Um, I know her from my time in um, at Sol Ross. But yeah, um, I have my friend A.K. Holmes. Hey. Um, how are you doing? I am good. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm doing all right, too. Um, just... How good, you know, can we really be because, you know, of all this chaos that's happening around us currently, but, you know. Yeah, I mean, it's it's all over the place, and... Um... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is all over the place. Yeah, just, I mean, just here, at, you know, I'm just here at home. Um, yeah, me too. Just, just um, trying to take it one step at a time. Yeah. Um, I actually start work tomorrow and I haven't heard. Oh, really? Yeah. And I haven't heard from, you know, administration or my superintendent. Like no one has told faculty anything about what the plans are for this year. And I mean, oh my God. Yes. It's really scary. And like, I'm in the middle of planning, you know, for band camp. Like, I mean, Mm -hmm. I, you know, I have a plan A and plan B. My plan A is like, everything just kind of try to be as normal as possible and, you know, try to keep it that way, whatever. And then my pan- my mm-hmm. B is like, you know, okay, I need to adjust and this is now, you know, our new normal and, you know, whatever. So it's just, we're in limbo right now. And it's so frustrating because I just, you know, I don't know what to tell my students, you know, it's, I don't know what to tell parents. It's just like insane right now. I, I can't even imagine like, what that that whole thing especially with you know like you said like with teachers and all educators really i mean I know. that's going on yeah. yeah it's crazy but hopefully we get some answers soon i don't know <laughs> uh, <laughs> just laugh about it <laughs> that's all we can do so like i said i know ak from um from our time in uh university um Technically, I guess technically we were all music education um, majors. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I just didn't keep going. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we were we were always in the music building. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. With something. Um, but yeah, I got my. I mean, should I talk about like my degree? I guess. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Of course. Okay. Well, oh, could, mainly. Well, and especially since I haven't really talked to you and god like oh my god forever marcel you were still in school i know (laughs) you were still in school i know i know (laughs) oh my gosh that's why and (gasps) do not tell me wait what was tmea that tmea in 20 was it 2018 that we saw each other yes (gasps) so it's been almost it's been over two years now was that the last time Mm mm-hmm Oh yeah, God. yeah. I didn't realize till you just mentioned it, actually. Yeah, because I was trying to think. Okay, when did I last see you? And then it hit me that it was totally TMEA twenty eighteen, mm-hmm. and and we hung out like you were with us. Oh my gosh, that got wild. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It's yeah, it's well because that was that was the uh, around the time that I moved to San Antonio. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. There was it was like a month after, yeah. um, 
and then yeah and then you all came um well for 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 people that don't know uh tmea is um the texas um music educators no yes you're right texas music educators association okay texas music educators association i'm i'm really bad with acronyms i yeah and it's a mouthful it's a lot to say yeah so so tmea is um it's is a um is a music like it says on the name as an educators um sort of convention it's usually for educators but um you know uh sometimes students will go from like around the around the state i mean we did that we were there for for school i yeah um, as students um and so like and there's just like a lot of clinics um that's very you know <laughs> very general but there's you know we have they have like different clinics for not only education actually um or at least not in the like a standard like standardized um kind of education like there's also you know workshops for yeah um for different instruments and and stuff like that and uh and i mean the the, the main thing that i really like to do or um to go for was the uh which the thing where, where, uh, the huh? exhibition hall the exhibition hall i mean <laughs> I never bought anything, but I'd I'd love to I I loved to see all that stuff. That one year we bought the baby French horn. Do you remember that? mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) In fact, Eddie reminded me. He was like, "Hey, you better talk about um, Thelma Louise." I was like, "Of course we are." (laughs) That's our baby. (laughs) Yeah, that's that's our baby, our little baby French horn. um, Yeah. uh, I, it was it was the stupidest like little thing that well at least for me because I mean I I didn't even really I mean I got to play it yeah but but I decided I was like you know what AK's the horn player so she can you know she can keep I, her. full custody <laughs> full custody yeah oh my gosh that is so funny uh, I mean I her she's you know doing just fine yeah. <laughs> She's not walking yet. No, no, no. she's still. <laughs> I was. <laughs> she's still, you know, underdeveloped. I guess I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know. Anyway. <laughs> but yeah, I mean that. Yeah, really, that was the last time that I that I really did talk to you. Um, I know. But um. But I think. But see, the thing is, is that I think we're we're good enough friends. Well, at least I, for me, like it's always hard for me to keep in touch with people. Oh, I know, I'm the worst. I'm <laughs> I'm really the worst. Like, if you're yeah. if you're like, not around me every day, then I'll be like, oh, oh, oh my gosh, I totally forgot about this person or whatever. You know, like I'm, <laughs> I'm totally with you on that. Like, but I feel like at the same time. I, you know, I still love all these people, you know, and oh, I yeah. think they, they, they know that I, that I still care and that, you know, whatever, like, I mean, distance, you know, communication is hard sometimes, but like, I feel like always, you know, in the back of my mind, you know, those people are there or like, I, I'll think mm-hmm. of them every once in a while. I'm just awful at being, you know, like picking up the phone and being like, Hey, you know, like that's so dumb. Yeah. But it's, it's, <laughs> yeah well and and really and, and in reality it's kind of not part of our generation anymore like um yeah. i mean for, for us to like 
actually talk on the phone and you know stuff like that yeah like that used to be us in like middle school and Mm -hmm. you know high school but like once we were out like I feel like yeah like we never I mean now it's like oh my god who's calling me what's wrong did someone die you know but like (laughs) I mean now we'll just like shoot a text or like whatever and be done but like or snapchat Mm -hmm. or instagram whatever you know but yeah Yeah. it's totally like it's we've definitely changed (laughs) (laughs) in in, i guess in the basic kind of like mentality of what like a friendship is Mm -hmm. if the if the friendship's strong enough or the bond's strong enough yeah Yeah, absolutely and and it's funny because we actually don't live that far from us from each other huh i know we actually don't because you're in san antonio right yeah Okay, so yeah, I'm like an hour and a half south from you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, what? Like, what the hell? Like, <laughs> when did you graduate? Um, December of 2018. 2018. Okay. Oh, was that year then? Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. What? Yeah, was... Well, what was the same year? Because then, it, you yeah, know, was... I. Yeah, because that was we saw each other February of 2018. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then um, I was in Alpine, and then during the summer, moved to El Paso, where I did my student teaching. Yeah, I was at Franklin High School and Ornato Middle School, and um, that was awesome. I mean, I absolutely loved the directors over there. I mean, oh my gosh, they, I learned so much. They're amazing. And, um, you know, I still kind of keep in contact with, with them a little bit and ask them, annoying questions and all that kind of stuff. And then in December graduated. Um, and then after that, I was, uh, still in El Paso and I worked there, um, at the middle school that I was at, that I was student teaching at. And I was kind of a, um, interim assistant band director. Um, and I was there for a few months. I think I was there until March. And then, um, in La Prior. So my mom is the art teacher in La Prior, right? And she's been here. This is her third year here, I think. Okay. La Prior is near San Antonio, right? Uvalde. Yeah. Well, I mean, like we're 15 miles south of Uvalde and I think we're like 90 miles west of San Antonio. Like it's not far, like it's a quick trip. Yeah. It's just hot. <laughs> it's just so how, hot. How, did, how hot is it there right now? Um, how, how does it, how's the, the weather? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, I think, let's see, right now, it is a whopping 107 degrees outside. <laughs> Here, it's like one degree less. Oh my gosh, it's the worst! It's awful. Like today, I mean, it was stupid, but today I tried to go outside. Um, I'm kind of like making our own like little practice dot field in one of the parking lots at the school. Oh. I know it was, it was stupid. Like it was like a hundred degrees and I'm out there with like white paint and a roller, like trying to like make lines and like, it was so stupid. And then I was, it was so freaking hot and like drenched in sweat and my lines started looking crooked. And I was like, why am I even doing this to myself right now? Like, this is stupid. Like come at <laughs> night. What are you thinking? So yeah, like I tried to do a little tiny project in the blazing hot sun today but that did not work but anyway (laughs) but yeah so now you're you're um teaching at a 
middle school or no? Uh, high school. I'm high school. Well, high school and middle school, I guess, because we're a, a tiny school. But um, mm-hmm. I'm the high school band director um, for La Prior, and um, I also teach sixth, seventh, and eighth grade, and then of course ninth through twelfth. And um, mm-hmm. and it's it's great. I mean, this program. So so we're a two way school, and um, the you know, directors, unfortunately, past directors haven't stayed at the school very long. You know, they, they, they'll they stay a year and then pack up and leave. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, so the poor kids, I mean, they've been having to get used to a new band director for the past, like, four years, you know, like, a, or three or four years or something like that. Like, a new director would come in. And then leave. And then another director come in and leave. And like, you know, they just have had a new director like every year for the past four years or so. Uh-huh. And so you know, there wasn't a lot of, um, you know, tradition, like set tradition, you know, like the culture behind being in band really wasn't there. Yeah. But I mean, these kids, you know, they work so hard and, you know, they really do love music and they you know, love being in band, but a lot of them have been kind of, you know, turned off by it because of these directors or, you know, the director's not staying and they're not being, you know, structure and, you know, continual, you know, lessons or mm-hmm. curriculum or whatever the case is, you know, I mean, that's hard, like, you know, being in high school or junior high and then having to get used to a brand new teacher every year, like in something like a band class you know because like my when I was in high school my band director was there forever and had been there forever before I was even in high school and then that same band director is still there now you know like (laughs) I mean they don't really move around like they're not supposed to move around a lot you know like you kind of stay in one place you know Mm -hmm. build a program get the kids involved you know and that's what my job is right now I'm starting my second year here And I'm, you know, my main focus is just like trying to get the kids to love music, trying to get them to love band, you know, Mm -hmm. and love being a part of band, you know, love playing um, and just really get like a, a a culture around it and like, you know, have a band family, you know, because it's, it was always a family environment, you know, for me, Mm because I mean, we're around these same kids like all the time and on weekends and at practices and rehearsals and football games and all of the above, like you're with these people all the time. Oh yeah. And, yeah. Know, for sure. And, you know, I just want to create that kind of environment for them. And I feel like I have, you know, cause last year was my first year teaching and like, you know, being a head band director, like that's a freaking big deal. And like, it was <laughs> a lot of pressure for me. And I was like, Oh my gosh, like I don't want to screw up and like do the wrong thing or like, you know, lead these kids in the wrong direction. But you know, I think I've, I think I've done pretty good. It wasn't, it wasn't a total train wreck, but it was like, you know, I, I felt pretty solid, you know, and we did really well at UIL marching contest because I think, so this year, or well, last year, really, we received at UIL marching, we got um, a division one and two division two. So we got a one, two, two. And, you know, that gives us a division two overall, which sucks. But, um, I mean, these kids in the last two or three, I think, 
I, I don't want to say four, but I, I almost do want to say four. Um, like in the past three or four years, haven't received a division one at all in marching. And I mean, that's pretty crazy. Like, I think last year they got straight threes at marching. Oh yeah. I mean, the year before, I think they got a two, three, three or a two, two, three or something. And, and I, I can't remember what they got in, I guess, 2017 or something, whatever that was. But I mean, to get a one, two, two and like, <clears throat> okay, it sounds like I'm bragging, but I'm really trying not, <laughs> but one, two, two and be a first year teacher and not knowing what the heck I'm doing, you know, and like, you know, getting these kids who have been damaged by old band directors and like, mm -hmm. you know, getting them to work hard and like improve and be awesome. Like it just, it felt really, really good. Like, I mean, I just, Oh, I love my babies. I mean, I just, I would do anything for them. And I mean, I really do love the prior and I love working here. Like, yeah, it's a small town, but like, you know, I lived in the freaking desert in the middle of nowhere for like four years. So like I can handle <laughs> it. <laughs> And the thing is that, uh, well, first of all, I want to say um, that's that's awesome, and you know that's you know that, that's awesome that you're doing that because I mean, teaching teaching anything in general um, is hard. I think the thing about um, a lot of the music programs in a school is that you have a lot of students. Yeah. All at one time, be be it you know like be it orchestra or um, or band or you know choir stuff like that like it's yeah. a big deal because you you are take, having to take care of all these students um for if they if they last there like with you all four years like you see them four yeah. years and, exactly and, and and the fact that anybody that would be a, a music teacher or a, an arts teacher in in general like has to have a very special personality um yeah and, and you know to be able to talk to everyone uh because i'm i don't know like i don't know i haven't been the teacher so um i'm guessing as a teacher you get to learn some things about everyone oh yeah uh and and like my 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 band director wasn't wasn't bad or anything but i always felt like i was kind of left behind in the sense that maybe I wasn't the easiest student to like be open about anything. So, yeah. So, um, so I didn't let that happen. There was only one time that I remember that, um, I was praised about anything and it wasn't mm -hmm. just me. It was, it was another, um, uh, another student with me. Um, and that that's only because we had to take care of somebody. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, 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 and like, you know, like he genuinely, he was genuine about it. And it, that was the only time that I ever felt any positive reinforcement. But I also yeah. think that it's because I also didn't let myself do that. It's kind of, you know, it was probably just part of your personality at the time, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and so like, I know that, I know that teachers have to deal with many different students at a time. Um, but yeah. I know that especially music, music teachers, you know, can have them all four years and um, they do have to make them feel at home, yeah. um, which I did. I mean, uh, I'm not, not to say that I had a bad time. I mean, I, it was my favorite thing about being in high school, really. 
Yeah, exactly. Me too. Um, and it was the only place that I could ever feel like that. I only ever felt like you know, not to sound cheesy, but like that I really did belong. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean. Yeah, I knew you were gonna say that, but I feel that way too. I mean, it does sound totally cheeseball, but like it's mm-hmm. the truth. I mean, you don't know until you've like experienced that, and like of course, like other groups of individuals, like in school, like they feel that somewhere else with like maybe their like English teacher or their you know volleyball coach or football coach, you know whatever you know. But like, um, yeah, no, yeah. I, I get that because <laughs> I. Um, I have a, I have a friend that I haven't talked to in years, actually. Um, his name's Josh Lopez. Um, and, uh, he, he, he was actually a great under me. Um, uh, but we knew each other from, from band too. And like, we were friends all through high school and, mm-hmm. uh, and I feel like the teacher for him, um, that was like that was his English teacher. I feel like it's always the English teachers. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I think so too, actually. I mean, I, I, I unfortunately I didn't have a teacher like that. Um, yeah, well, I didn't have an English teacher that I was like gung ho about in high school either. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I mean, if I have to say anybody, it would probably be my history teacher. Well, he was yeah. he was a uh, he was my U.S. history teacher, um, but he was he was not he 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 didn't he didn't sugarcoat a lot of things. Is that is what I'm trying to say? I guess. Ooh, that's fun. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Um, and, um, actually that's the reason why I learned about Bjork, to be honest. Oh, really? Yeah. He, he, um, he showed us this movie called Dancer in the Dark one time. Technically it's a musical, but he didn't really like the music part of it. So like, he just showed us the movie, but, um, but yeah, I mean, it was, it was a good movie. And I mean, that's, like I said, that's how I learned about Bjork, which is weird. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, that is pretty random. <laughs> I don't think I've ever heard of it. I'll have to check it out. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a it's a it's not a hard movie to watch. It's just um, it does deal with a lot of things that um, with a lot of uh, so, some of it has to do with discrimination and yeah, it just has a lot of themes. But yeah, anyway, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I'm going off topic, but um, but no, like I said, I mean, it's just like. I think it's I think it's awesome that you're you're doing um, you're giving students thank you a place a place to be able to like you know and and and, and like you said it is hard especially since you're starting off um, but I think in the long run they'll be able to see and hopefully you know they'll be able to understand that and and all you can do is just try <laughs> really yeah know, just. If it doesn't work this way, try something new. I mean, that's yeah. basically my motto. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, and I mean, and that's what you have to do as a teacher. Yeah. If there's things yeah. that I need, if there if there's things that I learned about my education time in education classes that you know you do have to sort of change your mindset. <laughs> yeah, totally. I mean, oh my gosh, nine oh, days do, sometimes. Yeah, you have to do things on the fly. So I guess, should I just dive into it? Dive into some Aaron Copeland? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Okay, well, um, here we go. Aaron Copeland time. Um, (laughs) You know, I really did. I had a lot of fun actually um, researching and kind of like refreshing my memory on him. Mm -hmm. Um, 
I mean, he's absolutely fascinating, of course. But um, before I totally dive into some Aaron Copeland, um, I kind of wanted to start um, with some background information, um, you know, like on how the American sound was thought to actually sound like, I guess. And, you yeah. know, before the actual influence of Copeland. Um, mm -hmm. So I watched this really cool little YouTube documentary, and it's called Keeping Score. Aaron Copeland and the American Sound. And I got a lot of good info and, um, you know, information on, you know, kind of his legacy and how he got started and all that kind of good stuff. But, you know, before, um, you know, Copeland was even born, um, you know, over a hundred years ago, I mean, America, you know, obviously didn't have its own sound. And, yeah. you know, a lot of the influence uh, was from European classical music. And um, let's see, back in, I think, 1892, <clears throat> excuse me, 1892, um, Dvorak was teaching at the National Conservatory of Music in New York City. And at that time, European composers like Dvorak, um, you know, they were trying to find a distinct sound for American classical music. And, you know, so Dvorak, his take on American classical music was to start incorporating, um, like, Native American songs and African-American sp uh, spirituals. And, you know, that those, you know, kind of blended together, I guess, that that would give us, you know, the sound and influence composers um, needed to create the American sound. And then, you know... Mm -hmm. You know, we have Gustav Mahler, he comes into the picture and his take on what the American classical music sound should sound like. Um, and he totally disagreed with Dvorak, you know, um, Mahler, I believe, yes, 1910 and 1910 Mahler was the conductor of the New York Philharmonic. And um, his opinion on American classical music is that he thought that Americans were too diverse to be represented by just one type of folk music. And I think that's totally a valid point. I mean, Oh yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, yeah. I mean, Americans were from all over the place and, you know, yeah. it's, so he thought that, you know, the traditions of all the different cultures that were in America would have to like blend together to create this like American sound that they were looking for, and of course that would take forever, you know, mm -hmm. that would take such a long time. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, oh, uh, were you going to say anything? Oh, no, I was going to say, well, I mean, that's, that's basically the same idea that, that gospel music had, or like, that's where gospel really came from is the fact, or <clears throat> just like blues or anything that has to do with African American culture is that yeah. it was it had to be it had to be a blend of you know of different african um ideas as well as yeah. more european stuff because i mean that's kind of what gospel is yeah i mean that's exactly. that, that's that's me that's me being you know that's me just kind of assuming or but yeah. <laughs> at least that's what i feel like that's what it is yeah no totally of. i mean it has those you know, African-American traditions, mm -hmm. you know, kind of embedded in their creation, yeah. sort of, I, guess. I don't know. Mm -hmm. um, but 
but yeah, but so, um, you know, that's my little snippet on some of the background information, you know, before Copeland kind of came into the picture, but, but now a little bit of, uh, background information on Aaron Copeland himself. Um, so he was born in Brooklyn, New York on November 14th, 1900. Um, oh, I didn't know that. And yeah. Yeah. And, um, I'm, he was a New York kind of guy, you know, oh my God, that was <laughs> That was so terrible. Let me not to do that like ever again. That was so bad. Um, okay. Um, <laughs> um, his parents, who were Jewish immigrants, by the way, um, they immigrated from Russia, and um, he was the youngest of five children. So that's pretty wild, right? Uh, yeah. Um, and his parents um, worked and owned a shop that um, that he quoted as a neighborhood macy's and um they actually i think lived right on top of it or something like you know the store was down at the bottom and then um the copeland family was living right up on top and that's pretty wild like i mean i like i'm always curious as to how that started like how were his parents able to create a store like being immigrants like i mean how were they able to do that and be successful like you know like that that's always so confusing to me yeah no i don't i don't don't know either and especially especially them being jewish too i think well i don't know about the time i don't know i don't know about at the time how um what judaism was like thought of at the time but i mean even so i mean just just the fact that they were immigrants yeah yeah, and we're able to be so successful i wouldn't imagine uh so aaron's father you know, kind of ran the store and his mother also helped. And, um, but actually, uh, his father didn't have much musical talent, but his mom, on the other hand, um, she played piano and she was the one who kind of, you know, really pushed him and his siblings, um, to explore music and have it in their lives and stuff like that. Uh And, you know, she would arrange for them to, take music lessons and, you know, was super supportive. So, I mean, he did kind of grow up in a musical household, you know, and, um, and his siblings were all talented. I mean, um, I I mean, I don't know about all of them, but (laughs) from what I've gathered, you know, like, I mean, I think uh, some of them played violin, some of them played piano Mm -hmm. and one, I have this, one of his sisters was an opera singer, which is, pretty cool right oh yeah well do you know her name um no (laughs) (laughs) oh well that's okay i mean i'm sure we can find it later on (laughs) yeah we can we can look that up totally that's so funny um but actually i i don't think i've said this yet um correct me if i'm wrong but uh copeland's primary instrument was piano so you know he grew up you know taking piano lessons and that's what he really stuck with um but he began writing music at just eight years old which is oh wow pretty cool i mean like almost like a baby mozart pretty much right but, um, yeah almost like, yeah <laughs> i mean he I was mean, like half me, his age but okay yeah. <laughs> or whatever you know what i mean oh my gosh but you know like i'm always like so envious of composers and like mm-hmm. i don't know like to me like 
it's a God-given talent and like you're either born with it or not, you know? And like, I've tried to like dabble in like composing, you know, my own original music, uh-huh. but I kind of feel you know, defeated before I even start, you know, because like, I worry about things like, what if this has been done before, you know, or like, what if I'm copying this from someone and I don't realize it. Like I, and I'm so worried about that, you know, like, yeah, oh, no, I get I, it. I, 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 yeah. Cause I get that. Cause I've, cause I've actually tried doing that too. Um, but sometimes I'll just, if I can't think of anything, you know, I'll be like, you know what, maybe I can arrange something. <laughs> Yes, like let me arrange. Like let me like you do the original and like I'll add my own little like flair on it or whatever, you know? <laughs> like yeah, I yeah. you know Yeah, I can't sure. come up with an air, you know, like I it's just <laughs> impossible. Well, yeah, um, I mean it's just I mean it's just a matter of, you know, really sticking with it because I mean you're right. It it, it you do get defeated, you know. I mean, I, and I feel the same way. I I kind of like I think my thing though is that I never have a good ending. That's always been my problem with anything. Um, yeah. Just like, just like my reports, I usually don't have very good endings. Like, um, <laughs> so I so endings have always been a hard thing for me to deal with. Um, even just speaking, to be honest, though, so I think I'm kind of very aware of it right now. But anyway. But yeah, moving right along. Um, he, you know grew up because you know of well being in brooklyn and that kind of like immigrant life neighborhood mm-hmm. lifestyle that kind of thing um he grew up listening to yiddish music mm-hmm. um you know because of course jewish background and what i've figured out or you know what i've heard yiddish music is like kind of a hybrid of like happy and sad songs like it changes from like major to minor and like I don't know. Like, is that right? I mean, I, I kind of feel like I, I, that's I wouldn't know to be honest. the best. But, yeah. Like, I feel like that's as good as I can do when it comes to like explaining Yiddish music, I guess. Like it sounds a little Russian, mm-hmm. but like, you know, there's like happy sounds and sad sounds, major, minor happening. Like, I, I don't know. But anyway, I'm, I'm just going to kind of touch on that and then <laughs> run away from it because ugh. fair enough. Um, but, um, uh, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, as was something, you know, that he would listen to and, you know, was influential for him. And, you know, he loved it and would listen to it all the time. And, you know, he kind of wanted to write music. And this is this is a quote from Copeland, Copeland himself. Um, it says he wanted to write music that would let you know how it felt to be alive on the streets of Brooklyn, which... That's pretty interesting, right? Pretty cool. Well, especially by that time, I mean, there was already such a foundation of what New York was, in a way. I mean, yeah, you know, yeah, like totally. obviously, like what we think of New York now is not going to be the same thing as it was then. But, but, oh, yeah, but I mean, not. I mean, New York was such a melting pot of of different cultures that I could see that. I don't know, maybe, yeah. maybe, maybe it's not as different. I don't know, perhaps. I don't know. I mean, I've unfortunately never been to New York and I'm dying to go, mm-hmm. you know, but, um, but you've been right. Like you've been with like theater. Yeah. Yeah. Like I that. went, uh, in 2015, 2014, 2015. I can't remember. Um, 
Yeah, no, and it was nice. I, yeah. It, I mean, it was pretty cool. Um, but for me personally, I was ready to go by like the third day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like too much stimulation oh, yeah, all at once. For sure, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> and um, yeah, I mean, there's just a lot of people, and I'm and I'm already a very introverted person, so. <laughs> so yeah. having having all those people around and um yeah i mean it was fun i will say i i did enjoy it so yeah um, yeah exactly like i feel like everyone has to experience new york city at least once like i mean i feel like mm-hmm. that's a rite of passion passage or something <laughs> <laughs> yeah right so she was an american yeah, right? Like, I mean, we've all got to go to New York City sometime. <laughs> um, yeah. But anyway, I'll keep going. Um, Sorry, yeah, yeah. No, 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 yeah, totally cool. Um, so Copeland um, decided at 15 years old that he wanted to become a composer. And, um, you know, he attended public school, um, but he would also take lessons um, on the side, like a music theory. And... Um, one of his first notable teachers was Ruben Goldmark. Have you ever heard of him? No. No. Well, um, he was like the first, you know, teacher that kind of influenced Copeland and encouraged him to really, you know, continue composing and learning. Um, mm-hmm. And he studied with him uh, for several years, um, I think up until he graduated. And, um, you know, after he graduated high school, you know, he still wanted to continue his music education, but, um, I, and, you know, I think he was kind of, I guess, probably tired of New York and was probably, you know, wanting to expand his horizons. So, um, he actually went to, um, France. So he went to Paris and apparently at the time, and maybe even now, um, (laughs) um, like the latest music trends were happening in Paris. Like he wanted to find like what was happening, like what was in with music, like, and Paris was where it was happening. And so he, you know, he had to go there. And so he studied Mm -hmm. in a town outside of Paris at the American conservatory. And yes, that town has a name, but I'm not going to butcher it because, (laughs) oh my gosh, it's hard. (laughs) <laughs> but um no, no, I, yeah i get it <laughs> but if you if, if you saw it you'd be like oh yeah but then like you wouldn't be able to say it but who i'm about to mention you'll be like oh duh so like um copeland you know goes to school at the american conservatory just outside of paris and he begins working with nadia boulanger she sounds familiar Yes, she does. And like every time I think of her, I think of Dr. Freed and it's kind of crazy. But anyway, so like Nadia Boulanger, <laughs> she was um, a composer and teacher at um, the the American Conservatory. And um, she was one of his, you know, lesson teachers. And um, she really, you know, was kind of the one who helped Copeland, you know, find his voice and like, um, she would help him with his compositions. And a- another quote from Copeland himself is that her advice to him was to get tough, get serious, take lots of notes, and keep those that only matter. And like, mm-hmm. I feel like those are some major words to live by. Like, go Nadia. Like, she knew 
what was up, right? <laughs> yeah, for real. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> I like that. That's. I mean, she seemed like a tough, a tough woman there, and like how yeah. rare, you know, during that time, for women to be teachers. Like that's pretty cool, you know. I mean. Yeah, yeah, for sure. You know, and composers and published and you know all that kind of thing. So yeah, pretty mm -hmm. cool. Nadia, I guess, was pretty much Copeland's mentor throughout all that. And, you know, um, she wanted him to kind of develop an American kind of style to his music and to his compositions, which was, mm -hmm. you know, the Jewish jazzy street kind of style that, you know, he grew up with. And, you know, from that, he kind of created, you know, sort of, quote unquote, dangerous music um, <laughs> for the time, because, you know, if anything was out of the ordinary it was considered dangerous um and you know it was kind of twangy and like in your face um mm -hmm. and it was just a lot for the time i think so like and then of course like copeland you know loved to use the tone cluster and you know and that was uh -huh. um confrontational at the time and you know like very avant-garde so, you know, after he spent time in, in France, he went back to New York City and, you know, because there, you know, New York loves the avant-garde, right? So, <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, you know, and, you know, there back in New York, you know, he really started writing, really started composing. And, um, and I learned, um, you know, in that documentary that Copeland received a lot of his inspiration in a place called Yado. I think it's Yado. I don't know if I'm saying that totally correct, but how do you spell it? It's Y A D D O. Yado. Yado. Probably. That's that sounds right. Right? Yeah. Um and this uh. was it was a retreat in upstate New York, um away from the city where he would like kind of find inspiration and chill out and kind of, you know, uh, be creative and a safe kind of environment. So like, um, uh, you know, and, and it was in Yado that, um, he created, um, the shadow variations, you know, which is, you know, known as one of his most compromising pieces yet actually, or well at the time, um, at this point, you know, in Yado, in that safe kind of retreat place for him to create, you know, he began to really like make a name for himself as an American contemporary composer. And there in Yado, he actually organized the first festival of contemporary American music, which is kind of a big deal. And, um, and there, like he would, he um, invited all kinds of different composers, you know, from South America, you know, from all around the world uh, to kind of, you know, listen to his compositions, to share theirs. And, you know, it was really kind of a cool musical environment for everybody at the time. Wish I was there. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. But, you know, but then so he spends a lot of time in Yado and, you know, that's his creative space or his safe creative space. But then, um, around this time it's i think it's about like 1929 1930 and then of course the nation starts experiencing the fall of the start mo stock market and then you know 
America enters into the Great Depression. So, um, you know, during the Great Depression, he spent his time actually working and teaching and um, discussing contemporary music at the, uh, and this is kind of hard to say, it's kind of a mouthful with all the S's, but um, New School of Social Research, which um, is a private research university in New York City. And there, you know, he would talk about contemporary music and discuss it and teach and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, he would still, at this time, like he was still writing, still publishing his music. And, you know, people were listening to it and, and loving it. And, you know, he had such a personal style to it that the world and everyone began to accept that as, you know, this is the sound of America. Like, this is what it's supposed to sound like, you know? And, um, which is pretty crazy. I mean, like, that's a lot of pressure to, you know, (laughs) become the composer that, you know, creates the sound of America or like the American classical music. I mean, whoa, back up. (laughs) You know, the question always is like, why does it sound American? Or like, how does it sound American? And like, you know, that's, that's kind of hard to answer, but, you know, in a way like Copeland, you know, he was able to take the traditional sound of the European orchestra and then create a unique American sound with it. And, um, you know, he felt like it, it was his responsibility to do that. And, you know, Europe was actually shocked, you know, of course they were, um, you know, at the sounds of American music and, you know, they were surprised by, um, you know, how rich and powerful the music actually was, you know, that the music, you know, he was creating and other American composers, you know, like, you know, we have Aaron Copeland, we have Irving Berlin, you know, Jerome Kearns and George and Ira Gershwin, like, you know, all these Uh men were like all creators of American music. And, you know, we're all raised in Jewish neighborhoods of New York. And, you know, we're all the sons of immigrants, you know, they were, they were all chasing, you know, the American dream while still trying, you know, to cling on to their own traditions. And that kind of like mm-hmm. made the sound of America, which is, you know, pretty cool, I think. Um, yeah. yeah, no, for sure. Yeah, that's I mean, it's, it's pretty fascinating. And just and just the idea that, you know, like that they were that they were some sons of immigrants, you know. Yes. Um, like that's so telling of what like really America is supposed to be about. Yes, what we're supposed to be about. Exactly. I mean, you can come from nothing and be successful, you know, like Mm -hmm. the tools are here, but, you know, some people are put, you know, a brick walls put in front of them because of certain, you know, guidelines or rules or regulations or presidency or, but I won't even get into all that. I'm not even going to go there. there i won't even go because then this will just be a whole other kind of show (laughs) (laughs) but you know but yeah like the the traditions that you know the the way they came up and the way that you know they created and you know it 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 should i mean i wish it was still like that for everyone you know like i wish it could Mm -hmm. i wish still be that way but times are you know yeah no yeah for sure things are changing hopefully and I don't know. We yeah, hopefully for the better. But yeah. yeah, and I mean it's it is it does take time. 
Yeah, it takes a long time. And I mean, I just, I, I mean, I do have hope that things can change and and be beneficial to, you know, the people who are just most against. And, you know, it's, it's just, it's just tough. But anyway, changing the subject, <clears throat> but, um, <laughs> but, you know, back to Copeland, good old Copeland. <laughs> so let's see all of them and their influence, you know, kind of made the sound of America and, you know, it's all kind of influenced from the jazzy sounds, you know, um, the blues sounds, you know, just everything kind of rolled up into one, but, um, mm-hmm. um, Copeland, you know, eventually discovered, um, American folk music and he really loved that. And, you know, it was music of the people and he wanted to incorporate that into his own works. Um, but he didn't actually start with American traditional music. He started with music of Mexico, which is, you know, pretty neat. And um, mm-hmm. I don't know if you've, um, you, you've probably heard it, but um, listened to it recently, his El Salon Mexico. Do you know that one by Copeland? Yeah. Uh, yes, actually. Um, I actually have a record of that. <gasps> oh, my gosh. Uh, oh, I'm jealous. <laughs> yeah no i i yeah because I, I found a record it, it was it was like a few years ago or it might have been even a year ago um it was when i was going through you know my record collecting phase uh, yeah. i mean i still i, I still kind of do it but you no know, but um yeah i did find a a record that had that piece and also um appalachian spring yes yeah 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 Oh, awesome. I, I think there's a I think I think there's something else in there. Um but yeah, but yes, going back to what you were saying. Yes, I have I have listened to it. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, um uh, it's it's a great piece. Um I love it and um <laughs> I love it. Everyone go listen to it. Sounding <laughs> 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 like for a second. But um anyway, um so yeah, he started with the, you know, the traditional music of Mexico and um you know, he, he was he just really wanted um, the music to be of the people and and by the people, really. And um, mm-hmm. from the Latin culture to the African-American culture, I mean, he, you know, strived for inclusivity and, you know, was really, you know, able to express that through his compositions. I mean, I don't know. I feel like he, his interpretations of, you know, what the music should sound like and um, how it relates to certain events or cultures or places. Mm-hmm. I mean, I just, he's so good at interpreting, you know, how it's supposed to sound or how it should sound or, or I feel like he gave it its original sound. <laughs> I don't know, but, uh, <laughs> but um, uh-huh. yeah, pretty amazing. But um, that was, that was around 1937 um, that El Salon Mexico came out. And then um, um, around that time, you know, Copeland was still teaching and, um, you know, he loved, you know, helping um, young composers and musicians. And, you know, he kind of did everything he could for them as far as like teaching and collaborating and stuff like that. And, you know, was a mentor. And, you know, he actually worked with Leonard Bernstein um, and he was one of his students. Isn't that wild? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's pretty cool. Um, but, you know, um, anyway, eventually, you know, after teaching and 
all the Latin influence and all that fun stuff. Um, mm -hmm. He turned back to, you know, the American scene and, you know, he started composing music that related to the American frontier, you know, um, uh, which led to him composing music for ballets like, you know, Billy the Kid in 1938, mm -hmm. Rodeo in 1942. And, um, and, you know, it's kind of funny because, you know, he's such a city boy from Brooklyn, you know, but he was <laughs> right music that was so totally on point with like the sounds and the feelings of like the Southwest, you know, isn't that, isn't that, yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, you know, he traveled obviously, like, I mean, he visited like Carlos Chavez in Mexico and like he visited the Southwest and like, obviously, you know, I'm sure he watched TV and like, you know, watched <laughs> old Westerns and stuff like that, which I'm sure, you know, pulled a lot of his inspiration or where he mm -hmm. got a lot of his inspiration from, but like, I mean, it's just so funny to me. Like, you know, he's just this city Brooklyn boy and was able to <laughs> create some well, you song music. Well, you like know what? Uh-huh. Sorry. Um, well, you know what I was, what I was going to say is that I feel that – I feel that it <clears> – not that I think that you're wrong in the whole, um, like, watching Westerns or anything, but I feel like a lot of the inspiration may have been taken from him instead. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. No, I totally, I totally yeah. agree with you. Um, but, but yeah, anyway, sorry, go ahead. <laughs> oh, no, well, um, but um, you were talking about um, Appalachian Spring earlier. And, mm. um, and that's, of course, another famous composition um, from Copeland. And, um, well, it's actually the Appalachian Spring Ballet. And um, yes, that uh -huh. was in uh, 1944. And um, it was choreographed and created by Martha Graham. And um, she was one of the most famous dancers of the 20th century. That's what I've learned. And um, oh. I know, very cool. Um, and you know, she choreographed the whole thing. And um, she asked Copeland to write the score for the ballet. And um, let's see, to give a little background about the ballet, this quote is um, from the Martha Mar yeah, sorry. I almost said Marfa. <laughs> the Martha, <laughs> the Martha Graham website. Um, so he here's the quote. It says, um, Appalachian Spring tells the story of a young frontier couple on their wedding day. Created as the war in Europe was drawing to an end, the ballet captured the imagination of Americans who were beginning to believe in a more prosperous future, a future in which men and women would be united again. So interesting right mm -hmm. yeah <laughs> you know within that music there's the hymn simple gifts right which i think almost mm -hmm. anybody can recognize and um you know no text was used from the hymn of course but um you know he wrote different variations of it within the piece and you know it's a lot mm -hmm. of fun um to listen to it's it's interesting and you know i i, I really enjoy listening to it um but um, during that, you know, let's see, that was kind of in the forties, mid forties or mid 1940s. Um, and, you know, of course, world, world war II is going on, um, mm -hmm. you know, lots of, you know, unemployed people, you know, people at war, just awful. But, um, Copeland's music at the time, you know, was known for giving people a sense of hope and then, 
Mm -hmm. I'm going to talk about another famous piece piece of his that I'm sure everyone can recognize, and um, that's the fanfare for the common man. Oh and, yes, uh huh. Yeah, and like that is basically you know it became an American anthem. Like people were like, yes, like this piece is America. Like bleh, you know, like they were super excited about it. Um, yeah. And I mean, when I listen to it, I do get that sense. Like if I listen to Fanfare for the Common Man, I think. I feel like I've heard this like in a movie about like space and like a rocket. Like I like for some reason that's where my mind goes when I hear it. But um but it's beautiful though. Like I mean um I think so what I found out was that originally this piece was credited for honoring the allied forces of World War II. But what Copeland really wanted was to dedicate the piece to the common man. You know, like hello it's yeah, name. yeah, like <laughs> it's, it's name, yeah. people, but um, oh my gosh, I just I it's I think it might be my favorite piece from him, and that totally probably sounds so like mainstream because it's so popular, and of course like it has Copeland writ written all over it, but it's so <laughs> beautiful. Like I mean, I just I can't get over it. Like I mean, everything from the brass to the percussion. I mean, uh -huh. it's just absolutely incredible, and like. If I'm in the right mood, like it makes me cry if I'm listening to it. I'm like, oh my God, it's so beautiful. I mean, that's that's his staple. Like, you know how, um, I mean, for me at least, I mean, he's got tons of wonderful pieces, but like for me, um, let's see. Let, let's see if I can make an example out of this. Like, what about, okay, let's think about Destiny's Child, okay? We have Destiny's <laughs> Child, the... <laughs> The, the women singing group, okay? Uh -huh. So Destiny's Child and their song, Survivor. Uh-huh. Right? Like, isn't that, like, one of their mainstream, like, most popular songs? Am yeah. I crying or is it something else? No, 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 no. <laughs> like, let's just say Survivor is their, like, mainstream song. Like, that's, that's how I feel for Copeland. Like, I feel like Fanfare for the Common Man is like the mainstream oh everybody knows that it's copeland like song you know what i mean i i, I get i get what you're saying because i'm pretty sure someone's heard it at least once in their lifetime yeah uh, like at, i feel every space movie like ever made like i feel like it's you know that movie apollo 13 with tom Hanks. Yes. i feel uh -huh. like it's in that movie like i don't know why <laughs> <I've been laughs> forever since i've seen that movie but i feel like in every space movie, you're going to hear fanfare for the common man. Like someone's like, or like an Armageddon or something like any, any movie that they go into space. I feel like that song is, or that piece is playing. Like, I don't yeah. know why. It just, I feel very strongly about that. I might just put a snip at the beginning of it at the end. I don't know. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> just, so, just so that at least, at least people that have listened, that will listen, will hear it. Yeah. No. Yes, absolutely. Yes, do it. Porcelino. <laughs> um, but yeah, but anyway, but I feel like, I don't know. I think I'm going to start concluding my little report on um, good old Aaron Copeland here. But I mean, like I said, researching him was so much fun. And I'm so glad you assigned him to me because it really kind of, you know, um, refreshed my memory and you know i listened to el, uh, el salon mexico and, and i hadn't heard it in forever and i was like yes and like now i'm basically listening to it every day every day or every time i get in the car i'm like da, 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 you know, whatever but um yeah but uh you know copeland 
you know, he really changed the sound of America. And, you know, he left a legacy on American classical and, you know, contemporary music. I, I think what I've seen or what I've heard is that he has, I, I think, written a total of about 100 works that cover like a wide range of genres. And, you know, a lot of his compositions are still a part of like the standard American repertoire and, mm-hmm. you know, people are still playing it. And, you know, um, he's also won, you know, lots of awards, including, um, let's see, the Presidential Medal of Freedom uh, was given to him by Lyndon B. Johnson. And wow. uh, I know, right? And um, also the Pulitzer Prize in composition for Appalachian Spring. Um, he also got that. Um, oh. oh, wow. Yeah. I, I didn't oh. know that. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> the, shock of, the shock of a lifetime. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Okay, sorry. I'll go on. Um, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, um, Copeland, you know, really did live a life. I think, you know, to where he was, you know, true to himself and true to others and society. And, you know, um, I mean, I just all around, I mean, I think he was, you know, a really wonderful, influential person and, you know, was loving and compassionate and, mm-hmm. um, and he lived for a long time. Um, his health started to um, deteriorate throughout the 1980s. And, um, oh, wow. He did live a long time. Yeah, I know. And um, he died on December 2nd, 1990. And what's, it, oh, it's so heartbreaking. Um, but he died from complications uh, from pneumonia and Alzheimer's disease. Isn't oh. that so sad? Yeah, that's. Oh, that breaks yeah. my heart. Like, I mean, to live the life he did and then like get to the end and. Yeah, it's it's such a, oh my gosh. Yeah, it's such a terrible disease. Oh gosh, it just breaks my heart. Um, Wait, so you mean to tell me that Aaron Copeland was alive when I was alive? Yes, dude. Like, I mean, he was living. I mean, not very well, you know. No, 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 but still, he was still alive. I didn't know that. Yes, he was alive. He died December 2nd, 1990. Yeah, he yeah he was born this he was born the year that I was born. I mean he was yeah. he died the born the year you know what I mean. Yeah, <laughs> I was born in 1990. That's what I'm saying. Yes, yes, you were. Yes, you were. Wow, yes, you were. I did not know that. That's I know. So cool. I know it's really cool. I mean, and and wow. you know, on YouTube, there's like interviews with him. I mean, like he's talking to people, and I'm just like, oh my gosh, because like when I think of composers. You know, I'm, my mind is always, you know, thinking, you know, in the 1800s or, you know, 1700s, like I'm thinking classical, romantic, whatever. And like mm-hmm. these people are obviously all dead, but, you know, Aaron yeah. Cole, I mean, he lived, you know, I guess 90 years, right? 90 years. Yeah, he, yeah, he lived 90 years. Yeah, exactly. That's <laughs> um, crazy. I, well, and, and I get what you're saying, because it's like either either they're alive if they've been, if they're dead now, like you figure that they've been dead for years, for decades, or whatever. If, yeah. not, if they haven't been dead for years, they they're alive right now. Yeah, right. <laughs> no, I totally, yeah, that's I. That's just how my mind works. That's weird, but you know. No, whatever. no, I get. It. I I totally get it. Yeah, because like I said, I didn't I didn't know that. I didn't know he lived that long. 
Yeah, yeah, neither did I. I mean, I don't think I realized it until, of course, yeah, but, um, but yeah, pretty cool. But, um, okay, so I'd like to, you know, kind of end this discussion mm-hmm. with a quote by the composer Ed Roram, and I think I'm saying that right, Ed Roram. Aaron stressed simplicity. Remove what isn't needed. He brought leanness to America, which set the tone for our musical language. Thanks to him, American music came into its own. Isn't that wonderful? Yeah. I love that. But yeah, that's Aaron Copeland, ladies and gentlemen. If I can even say it right, let me just (laughs) stutter all over the place. (laughs) No, that was that was awesome. That was good. That, oh, thank good, you. Good job. Good job. That was awesome. Thank you. I had fun <laughs> doing it. Oh my gosh. You, you know, um, I, I was thinking throughout, like, um, uh, you know, Silvestre Revueltas, right? Uh, no. Well, he's a Mexican composer. Okay. Yeah. No, was not aware. Well, the thing, the thing is that he, um, when you started talking about, well, I guess uh, Aaron Copeland's background, like. It reminded me so much of his because really yeah first of all he was born in 1899 <gasps> oh. uh, his they probably collabed probably because you know carlos uh, chavez uh-huh. you know they were, they were in cahoots with each other you know like making <laughs> music and doing all that and um mm-hmm. i think they even like went to mexico and and visited i mean i'm sure i'm sure they've crossed paths some uh, I'm pretty, yeah, I'm pretty sure too because um, my friend Carlos did a report on him um, early on. Oh, cool! Um, I just can't remember. I can't remember if that is true or not. But um, what's it called? Yeah, no. But I mean, there are so many parallels because, like, um, I believe his mother was a musician. He also had five siblings. He was also, I think, the youngest of five siblings. Yes, Copeland was the youngest of five siblings. Yeah, that's what I was saying. Like, I don't remember if he was the the youngest, but he he did have four siblings. Wow. Um, and um, and all his siblings like did artistic things. Oh, that's cool. That's why I was like, that, that's why I was thinking it's like, oh, like there's so many parallels. Well, at least yeah. at least at the beginning, but I mean, I'm pretty sure even even later on, like there was stuff. Um. He he did die younger though, so that's Aww. the only difference. That's a big difference, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, I mean, no, but like I said, that was that was good. Awesome. Well, yeah, no, I I really enjoyed it. I'm really glad. Um, you know, you asked me to be a part of your cool little podcast here. <laughs> no, thank you, thank you. I mean, because it's a. Uh, I mean, because this is what I really wanted to do originally. Like, I wanted to have different people at different times, and um, it yeah. just, I, it just didn't. I mean, it just didn't work out that way, just because I didn't know how to start it off that way. So it just kind of took a life on its own a little bit, and um, and I know that occasionally I would, I would love to have other people. Um, oh yeah, and if I can have you again, I mean, that would be awesome too. Oh my gosh, I would love that. I would. Totally- yeah enjoy that <laughs> yeah and i'll give you and i'll give you time because i know you're busy <laughs> oh yes i know i mean lord knows what these next few weeks are gonna look like and what the school year is gonna look like it's your first time as a guest so i would like to have you as the main focus cool well i'll be center of attention you know me 
<laughs> yeah, I'll just I'll just leave mine for next time. Totally. Let's leave it like that. Cool, so cool. Cool. Well, I'm, I'll figure out how to edit that. <laughs> that, that um, yeah, no, but... the parts where I sound really stupid or I stutter or something. <laughs> you don't have a lot, to be honest. Oh, thank God. No, if 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 anything, I'm actually worse at. I'm the worst at giving my reports because I stumble a lot. I lose my place a lot. Um, oh my gosh! Yeah, no, trust me. Like it. <laughs> If you've listened to some some of the episodes, I do not sound like that. <laughs> <laughs> it, I'm just I'm just bad at giving reports, but I don't. I still want to keep doing it. Yeah, no, it's a fun it's a it, fun thing to do. Yeah, no, I mean it's fun for me too because I mean because I get to learn things. Um, yeah, just on my own, and then I get to learn things in the episodes. So yeah, we're like PBS basically. <laughs> yeah yeah we are we are we're bbc we're bbc texas yeah here we go <laughs> oh my god i we don't usually do we don't do this all the time but um sometimes we'll talk about anything that like we can recommend um recommend like any recommendations like anything that you've seen or that you've listened to or okay i have something but it's like not I don't know. You can take this out if you want, but literally, okay. Marcelino. Okay. <laughs> every time, every time I see a plastic bag blowing in the wind. I know what you're going to talk about. <laughs> I literally think of you because I don't remember where we were but like maybe we were in San Antonio or something and like we saw like a plastic bag and like we like both clicked about the movie American Beauty and like mm-hmm. we went off like <laughs> do you remember that you no, know I think I do remember that I think that was here in San Antonio it was right because it, yeah it had to be you know what I think it was after it, it it was like one night that that we went out. Oh lord! It, it had to be. I don't know where. I don't know what other context. Well, I guess the context doesn't really matter because anyway, yeah. we would we would probably joke around like that for whatever reason. I know, and the whole like she's going to Marfa, you know. <laughs> oh yeah. No, yeah, you know what? I'm just. We're not even going to explain that one because. No, sorry. Inside jokes. I know where the work. Like- <laughs> just know about marfa i guess i don't know yeah look it up yeah look at marfa it's it's so trendy <laughs> oh man let me start with marfa i'm not even gonna go there oh yeah it's overrated okay that's all i'm gonna say is it's overrated all right marfa's overrated i agree <laughs> <laughs> i feel like we're in trouble for that oh what was what's marfa gonna do I mean, you never know. They might like put us on one of those like billboards outside of town and be like, "Don't do <laughs> it." <laughs> do you ever remember that that uh, uh, that Playboy billboard? What? I do not remember a Playboy. Yeah, billboard. yeah. There's a Playboy bill Playboy billboard. Um, <laughs> Where going, in, going into? Uh, um, it was it was going 
to Marfa from El Paso. Or I guess. Oh, okay. So on the other side. Yeah. It was, it's, it's, yeah. So it's on the other side. There was a Playboy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it, it had like a Playboy bunny, and I, I don't know. I'd have to look up the actual picture, but. Oh my. Um, God. Oh wait. Yes, I remember something. Okay, I'm remembering. Yeah, I remember something about a Playboy bunny being out there. Yeah. That was a long, long time ago, right? Like. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it's not there anymore. Yeah, because the last time I went through Marfa from El Paso, they had like those, um, like those cutouts, those big art cutouts of, um, Mm -hmm. I think it was like James Dean and like from, you know, the giant and like something like that. But that was the last thing I ever saw like out there. Um, Yeah, I think so. But it's been a while since I've been that way. Yeah, Um, yeah. I mean, me too. Like, well, it's been a long time. Well, no, because I remember that because um, I remember it uh, whenever I first moved to Alpine. Mm-hmm. And, well, and I didn't have my own car, so, like, my parents had to take me. Yeah. Um, so it, we made it a road trip. And so we passed by the Playboy Bunny, like, <laughs> billboard. And they're like, what the hell? Like, where are we going? <laughs> <laughs> where are we taking our child to? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but my friend's okay if, you know... It, it's um it's a place really i mean i had some really awesome times in marfa like i mean (laughs) i've had a lot of fun there a lot of things that i don't particularly remember but like you know i mean i spent a lot of money there and i had a good time and that's pretty much all it's good for i guess yeah Anyway. <laughs> anyway, yeah, I'm sorry. I feel like I, uh, I shouldn't bash Marfa like that. I'm sorry. Okay. Uh, they'll be fine. Yeah, they'll, they'll be fine. For every one hater they have, they have like 100,000 lovers. I don't know. <laughs> exactly. The lovers um, out any- <laughs> Yeah. Anyway, um, uh, where, <clears throat> where, can they, uh, where can people find you? online Ooh, oh my goodness um okay well i do have facebook like is that what we're talking about like social yeah, media? yeah 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 social media <laughs> okay yeah so like i mean i have facebook i have instagram um what is your handle it's very boring it's just my name um it's anna Catherine holmes all together all together one word okay <laughs> <laughs> and Catherine is k-a-t-h-r-y-n not any other weird spelling of it <laughs> yeah. That's how I give me one. <laughs> it's just, it's because Eddie's here. Oh, Eddie! Hi. Can you just say hi. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> no, I know. I know. She, he can't hear you. I have the oh, headset on. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. Oh, no, no, no. I, I told him. Okay, good. Hi. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway, um, I'm very glad that I had you on here. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. I had a lot of fun too. It was so much fun to like catch up and laugh <laughs> and remember all the good times and bad times. And- yeah, I can always I can always count on you to have a have a laugh. I know. Why? <laughs> Me too. To you too. Yes, of course. <laughs> um. <laughs> but thank you for having me and i would love to do it again and hopefully when all this 
when the world around us isn't falling apart, we can hopefully meet up and see each other soon. Okay. I would For love sure. That. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So follow the uh, podcast on Instagram and, um, and Twitter. <laughs> I'm not telling you, I'm telling them. <laughs> oh, <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> um, okay. Like, I, I mean, I am, but you know, <laughs> Yeah, no. Um, yeah, so follow us on Instagram and then Twitter at Art of Whatevs. Like I said, I did start a Patreon. It's you can find it as the Art of Whatever. Um, I'm still working on it. Um, I will say, and yeah, like I said, it was. Thank you for being on here, AK. Thank you. This was. Fun. <laughs> yeah. So um, thanks again uh, for listening, y'all, and see y'all later. Bye. Bye. Bye.